Uh, this morning, in uh, view of Christ's glorious resurrection, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. Got some incredible news for you this morning about what Christ has done and the power of His resurrection and what that means for us personally and every day in our lives. So 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found and result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Jesus, you're alive. You're here with us. And we welcome you. We celebrate that the tomb is empty. That you are unstoppable. That you're indestructible. That Jesus, you're alive forevermore. God, it is our greatest desire to be connected to Jesus by faith. To have the living hope that will change every part of our lives. So, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us this morning. That you would teach us, that you would change us, that you would rebuke us of our sin. That you would reveal our unbelief. That you would strengthen us in faith. Father, we pray that you'd work in us in Jesus' name. Amen. Growing up, I, uh, I handled science projects in the following way. The night before the project was due, I would tell my mother, Mom, I have a science project due tomorrow. What do you think I should do? That's the way I did my science project. My kids, however, have gotten their mother's uh, uh, education uh, ability or zeal. And so they start the year, as soon as they finish their science project, they start looking for a new one. Uh, they actually go rent books at the library to look through them. They Google it online. And um, it's been a great disappointment that my, my daughter, Hannah, was our first one to start science projects. That was probably 10, 12 years ago. And now all the way through to Haddon and Avery are doing them. And I have had this incredible national winning science project idea. And nobody's ever used it. Now, I cannot get them to do it. Um, it has to do with belly button lint. I won't go into detail. But... I have, uh, I have a theory about why and how much and uh, what would increase it, what would decrease it. And, uh, you know, shirts, you know, I just, I, I, you know, we can talk later. But um, they've never, they won't use it. Nobody will have the courage to step out and do that one. And so I have another one. I have another one, and this one is probably more appealing. But here's what I think. I think that I could actually do a scientific experiment. I think you could pick 10 people that I did not know. And I, I believe that I could, uh, could just watch them for a day. I could, you know, 
go to breakfast with them. I could uh, watch them as they worked. I could see them interact with their family, their kids, um, watch them as they go home, what they do at night. Um, I believe I could watch them for a day. And I believe I could tell you who has hope and who does not. They wouldn't have to tell me anything about their faith. They wouldn't have to tell me anything about their life. They wouldn't have to tell me anything. I, think, I just think I could watch them and I believe I could tell you who has hope and who does not. And the reason I believe that is because hope will change your life, okay? And many of you think of hope in the sense of it's this kind of wishy-washy thing, you know. There's this dream I have and it's a long shot. It'll probably never happen, so it's my hope. That is not at all what hope is, okay? Hope from a biblical standpoint is a certainty, okay? It is something that, that, though, that though it is not in your grasp right now, you are so certain that you will have it that it drives you to live a certain way, okay? It is something in which you, you have this assurance Assurance of that which is, is in the future for you. And, and you're looking for it and anticipating it. Hope to me, hope in the Bible, is a confident expectation of good things to come. And when people are confident of good things to come, it changes the way they live. It changes their demeanor. It changes the way they talk. It changes the way they handle conflict. It changes everything. The spirit in our van, the attitude in our van, is much different when we are entering the entrance to Disney World than when we are entering the entrance to the school, okay? There's a different atmosphere in the van, and the atmosphere difference is the result of hope. On the one, there is a confident expectation of good things to come, and the other, there is a confident expectation of bad things probably to come. Hope will change your life. Hope will make you have enthusiasm, peace, well-being, Seeing that better things are around the corner. I look at it, and I'll be using this illustration throughout the whole sermon. But the way I really look at it is like a hiking trip. Well, we love hiking. I know some of you are out on it. You, you hate it, and that's fine. But, uh, but we, we, we love hiking. And one of the things that we love about hiking, especially hiking in the Rockies, hiking in a beautiful place, is that, is that you have a couple things going on. Number one, you have, you have this, this peak that you're going toward. Jonathan, is there a picture on there? I took a picture of, uh, of uh, a frame in our house. It has my mom and dad. It was uh, our second trip to Rocky Mountain National Park about 10 years ago. But uh, that's a picture of Bear Lake. Uh, Long's Peak looks like, I think that's Long's Peak, is in the background. And uh, just, a, just a beautiful, I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. Uh, I like that sort of thing. Um, but anyway, when, when you're hiking on a trip like this, you have this peak. You have it out in the future, okay? And, and, and you have the certainty of when we get there, it's going to be awesome. I mean, you just know it. You just know that to stand on top of that and to look out is going to be breathtaking. But you know what you also have? You, you have on the trail, in the journey to the peak, you, you have these, these bends and corners and, and crests where you come up and, and just around the corner and you'll come up over the ledge and you'll be like, wow, you know? And then you hike for 10 more minutes or so or 15 and, and you come around a corner, you come through some trees and you're, wow, you know, and you hike some more. You know, I mean, you have this continual what is beyond the next corner. It's often what leads us to hike farther than we should, you know? To, you know, the kids are dragging and, you know, ah! You know, and we're like, but yeah, but what's around the next corner? You know, let's just go a little further. Let's just go because we have this confident expectation of what is to come. In the same way, biblical hope is rooted on this glorious expectation of what is Jesus going to do next? Isn't that exciting? What's he going to do next? What's around the corner for me? Now, now we have the peak. Okay, what's the peak? 
The, 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 the peak is the second coming of Jesus Christ. One day he's going to split the skies. And one day he's going to come back with the armies of heaven. And one day he's going to come back and make all things new. And I'm going to have a resurrected body. And I'm going to live in the new heavens and the new earth forever. Where there will be fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Okay, that is the peak. But you know what's exciting? Is that on the way, even through the trials and the struggle and the difficult of the journey, there's, what's he going to do around the corner? What's he going to do with my kids? What's he going to do in my life? What's he going to do in my soul? What's he going to do in my mind? What's he going to do in my family? The, 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 there, there is a continual expectation of the glorious Jesus Christ. And what is he going to do? And friends, it is all rooted in the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to the great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, if Jesus is not alive, then there is no living hope. There is no hope. There is nothing around the corner. What's what's, what's he going to do? Nothing because he's dead. You know, where's the peak? It's not there because he's dead. But if he's alive, which he is alive, there is every expectation of what Jesus Christ is going to do. Friends, let me tell you here this morning, I have to tell you this. It would not be fair for me not to tell you this, but if you do not know Christ as your king, okay? Let me be really clear about what I mean by that. I'm not saying, have you had a religious experience? Almost everybody has had some sort of religious experience. That is not salvation. Salvation is a faith relationship with Jesus Christ in which you... You are joined to him. You are connected to him. His spirit lives inside of you. You are following him. I found that's almost the best way to talk to people anymore because everybody has these, these things in their head that, you know, what, you know, are you saved? Are you born? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, here's the real question. Are you following Jesus today? Are you following? Are you trusting him? Are you walking after him? Are you seeking him? Is he your king? Are you going hard after him? And if you are, then the great news is you are joined to Jesus. You're joined to his resurrection life. If you're not, if you're not following Christ, then the bad news is you don't have any hope. Now, now I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, hey, hold on. You know, I got a great life. I, my business is going awesome. I'm making a ton of money. You know, my job looks really good. My family is absolutely beautiful. You know, my kids are growing up. They're smart. They're, okay, I, I agree with all of that. And I'm so happy. That is God's blessing on your life. But here's the reality for you. The peak at the end, what you're going toward, it's not, it's not the glory of Christ. It's the wrath of God. If you're not connected to Jesus, then where you're going is the wrath of God. Where you're going is eternal separation. What is ahead of you on the trail is bearing the guilt for your sins and your iniquities forever in a place called hell. That's what's ahead. How far ahead is it? I don't know. How many years do you have? No idea. When is Christ coming back? Got me? I don't know. But here's what I know. Ahead for you is the wrath of God. Folks, that's no hope. There's no hope in that. There is no confident expectations of good things to come. In fact, in the, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 12, it tells us, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ. Whenever you're separated from Christ, here's the reality. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Without Christ, there is no hope. But, oh, friends, the better news that I'm going to talk about the rest of the time is that with Christ, okay, when you are joined to the resurrection power of Jesus, 
Verse 3 says you have a living hope. Now, what is a living hope? Okay, That's different than a hope hope. Okay, We have a living hope. What is a living hope? Well, if we, if we look at how Peter uses living, I, I, I don't want you to think I'm guessing at this. I want you to see it's, it, it's actually in the scriptures here. Verse 23 of the same chapter. He says, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Okay, so he uses the same word living to describe the scriptures. Now, what is he getting at there? Well, Hebrews really clears it up for us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What does it say about the Bible? It says the Bible does practical things in our life. Okay, You, you, you know why I treat my wife the way that I do? Because the word of God has hammered me Okay, for 21 years. Bam, bam, bam. It's just moved me. It's moved me from being who I was. And I'm not perfect now, but it's moved me from being who I was to who I am today. You, you, you know why I have the view of life that I have, the, the way I spend my money. All of those things have been shaped by the word of God. When when the Bible says it's living, it means it does something in you. Okay. It does something in you. And so, so when we have a living hope, what's he saying? He's saying it's a kind of hope that does something. Man, I want to make sure you get that. Because so many times when we think of hope, we think, what are you talking about? What's the sermon about today? Oh, it's about hope. You know, we Christians, we're supposed to be a little bit excited about what's coming, you know. You know, I'm going to say you did not listen, okay? Because this kind of hope shapes your conversation. It shapes your attitude. It shapes how you handle struggle. It shapes everything. It does something. It's living. It does something practical. It is a power plant that, 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 that empowers your life. Now, notice our text, verse 3. There's three things here that are worthy of looking at for us in this verse. According to the great mercy, he has caused us, number one, to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, so you have three things there. You have being born again. You have to a living hope. So we're born again and we're awakened to this living hope. And all of that is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, what is he talking about here? Well, being born again is, is a phrase taken from Jesus in John 3, 3. Okay. Jesus was talking to a good man, okay? This guy's a good man. Nicodemus, you, hard, you can't find a better guy than Nicodemus, okay? This is the guy you want as your neighbor. This is a guy who is a man of integrity. He's a man of honor. He's a man of good works. He's a man of honesty. He is a good man. And Jesus looks at this guy and says, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it's, it's probably the greatest verse in the Bible for good people, Okay? I mean, it is because, you know, there's a lot of just really good people. But here's what Jesus told a really good guy. Unless you're born again, unless there is an awakening in your life, Nicodemus, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. What does he mean by being born again? He means you're dead on the inside. That's the way we all begin this life, being spiritually dead. What does that mean? We're non-responsive. We don't respond to the things of God. For 18 years, I would hear sermons. I would read my Bible occasionally. I would hear truth and I was unresponsive. It didn't move me. It didn't shape me. I, I wasn't excited. I didn't see the glory because I was dead on the inside. But when you're born again, you you put your faith in Christ, you're joined to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden you come alive on the inside and you begin to see truth and you begin to see the world from Christ's perspective and you begin to love God. Your heart awakens to love what you ought to love and not to love what you've been loving. That's called being born again. And all of that is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. You see, being joined to a corpse, there's no power in that, is there? Okay, Being joined to a dead man, there's no victory in that. There's 
There's no power over death. There's no power to resist temptation or to love your neighbor or to hate sin or serve others or be joyful in affliction or be at peace in the storm or to turn the other cheek or to forgive your enemy. Unless Jesus is alive and he is alive, there is no power in being connected to him. But if he is alive and you're connected to him by faith, then you have the resurrection of power of Christ to bring you to life, to bring you to the new birth. John 11, 25 and 26, we've got a bunch of students in here who have been memorizing this. They've got it memorized. It's a verse in, in, in John that talks about Christ. And he tells Martha, he says, Martha, uh, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus is saying, I am the resurrection and life. I, it, it's in me. And if you're connected to me, then you're going to be born again. And listen, that brings incredible hope because Jesus Christ is unstoppable. Remember what I said about hope, how it's a certainty? How you be sure? Okay? So, so hope, a living hope is, is this practical thing that makes you sure, makes you certain of good things around the corner, of good things to come. How, how can you be so sure? How can you be so certain? Because Jesus is alive. And he's alive because he's unstoppable. He's alive because he's indestructible. That's what the scripture says about him. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 16 says this of Jesus, who has become a priest, not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. Jesus Christ is unstoppable. Man, there's something in us that craves that. If, you, if, you, if I get to pick the movie, okay, if it's just him and I and I get to pick the movie... <clears throat> Actually, I'm going to probably pick this too. We're going to, we're going to pick like, like one of those spy movies or something where, where the person is just unstoppable. I mean, there's something that I love about that. Now, it's fiction, right? Because if you get shot and you fall off a building, what happens in real life? You go to the hospital and you die. And you maybe die before you get to the hospital. If Jason Bourne gets shot and falls off a building, what does he do? He pops up and he runs 10 miles and he kills all the bad guys, you know? I mean, there's something we love about that. That Christ is unstoppable. That Christ, and it's for real with him. You can't kill him. I mean, have you read the gospel account? I mean, they beat him. They beat him with their fists. They beat him with a rod. They put a crown of thorns deep into his head and they beat him with the rod. They whipped him over and over, pieces of bone and metal, ripping the flesh off his back and his legs. They tore out his beard. They made him carry his cross until he collapsed. They nailed him to a piece of wood and hung him as he suffocated for six hours. And then just to make sure he was dead, they took a spear and put it up to his abdomen and into his chest cavity and into his heart and blood and water flowed. He was so dead that, that the fluids were already separating and rigor mortis was setting in and they took him off the cross and they wrapped him up and they put him in a grave. It was Friday night and on Sunday morning, hello, he's alive. You know why? Because Jesus is unstoppable. Now, now what's that going to do if you're joined to the living, resurrected Jesus Christ in a faith relationship? You know what that means? That means he's carrying you all the way to your hope, okay? Notice verse 5. This is great. He says, who by God's power are being guarded. That's you, believer. You're being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Man, I've, I've had the privilege of knowing some of you for 16 years. And I've seen this in your life. 
You know, I've seen this as you're, you're headed to the peak, okay? You're headed to, to the peak of, of, of Christ's salvation and your inheritance and all the good things that are coming for you. And even around the bend, God's working and you're doing, doing good things. But there are times where you fall. There are times where you stumble. There are times where you, you trip and you face plant and you're bloodied up. And, and you know what I've seen? Those of you who are true believers, God guards you. He picks you up. He's taking you forward and he will do that consistently all the way to glory. You can be sure of it because Jesus Christ is unstoppable. Listen to what it says in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. Oh, this is such a sweet passage about the resurrection. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, okay, if Jesus is for us, if Jesus who is unstoppable, who is indestructible, if he is for us, who can be against us? Says he who did not spare his own son, but gave us up for, gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. That is awesome. Jesus Christ interceding for you. Jesus Christ, what does that mean? He's he's working on your behalf. He's interceding in your life. He's praying to the Father for you. He's carrying you through the trials. You're going to make it to glory. That's what that's saying. Isn't that encouraging? Who can condemn us? Nobody. Who can thwart us? Nobody. You're saying, whoa, pastor. Man, people come at me all the time. Man, people knock me down all the time. They condemn me all the time. What do you mean who can condemn us? They can't ultimately keep you from the glory that God has for for you. That's what this is saying. Because you're connected to the resurrected Jesus Christ. Man, that changes everything. Some of you get so angry when people take shots at you. And you know why we do? We, we feel angry because we felt, man, they're ruining me. They're ruining my life. They're ruining my family. They're ruining my reputation. They're, they're, they're ruining. I'm losing it all. No, you can't lose it all. Man, some of, you, some of you are so furious about that. Some of you turn colors. Mainly women that I've seen this in. But it's a real thing. This would be a great science project as well. I've had ladies come in my office and, and, you know, like they're usually one color and it starts about right here, kind of around their neck. And they're, they're, they're another color, you know. And I'm like, oh, come in. And I'm like, Andrew, Andrew, get in here, man. <laughs> Chick's another color. She's growing. It's bad. And you're furious. You're furious because somebody has, has, has ruined your... No. No, we'll deal with that hurt. And you please come in. I'll pray for you. We'll, we'll talk about the scriptures. I'm not saying that. But, but what I am saying is, if you're connected to Jesus Christ, that's what he's, he's going to take you all the way to glory. And he is unstoppable. Nobody can stop him. It's an indestructible life. And he's interceding for you. Resurrection means, man, you can trust Jesus. You can trust his word. What's he about to tell us? Well, we're going to get to it here in a second. But he's about to tell us that the peak that we're going to, man, it's fullness of joy and pleasures forever. The route that we're taking, God's going to do good things. I mean, if you've been a Christian a long time, Bonnie, has not God done good things all the way? Has not around every corner, you know, even, even in the bad times in your life, can't you look around the corner and say, man, there's something good coming. God's going to work. God's going to, he's going to. Why, why can we believe that? We can believe that because he raised, raised from the dead. You guys, you, you, you tell me stuff all the time, you know? You know, don't drink this, do drink this. 
Daniel and Chris were drinking this nasty shake stuff that stinks. Try to get me to drink it. They always tell me you know, wives' tales about, you know, well, this causes this, this way, you know. Listen, when you die and you're in the grave three days and you come out of Elmwood Cemetery, okay, when that happens, I'll believe whatever you say. I'll drink whatever you say. I'll stop eating French fry. I'll do whatever you say, okay? Because I'm listening to the guy that comes from the dead. Whatever Jesus says, we can trust him, can't we? Is it going to be good? You bet. How do we know? Because he said it and he's raised from the dead. So what does this, this living hope do? Okay, remember back in verse 3, we've got this hope and it's a living hope. What does living mean? It means it does something in our lives. Okay, what does this living hope do? Number one, if you're taking notes. It makes us rich. And I want to add, I want to add something else. It makes us feel rich. Okay? Verse 4. Now let's go ahead and read verse 3. Verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To, to, look at verse 4. To an inheritance. What's he saying? Man, I've got something for you. I have a plan. I have this beautiful thing that I'm, I'm, I'm preparing for you that's awaiting you. An inheritance that is, three things here, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Okay, three things there, really important. Imperishable, you can't lose what Jesus Christ is giving. You can't lose it. That's awesome. You can't, you can't, you can't be taken away. Everything else in this life, you'll lose, okay? I'm sorry to tell you that, but you will. You'll lose your money. You'll, you'll, you'll lose your possessions. You'll, you'll lose people. Everything in this life, just, just get, don't get too attached because you're going to lose it. It's not going to be, you, you can't have it forever, okay? Everything in this life is, is, is able to be defiled, okay? You know what's beautiful? Is that what Jesus has for us cannot be ruined. It can't be spoiled. Man, when you think about all the stuff that sin spoils. Hey, man, have you seen that? You know, there's times where sin spoils our families. There's times where sin spoils relationships. It spoils marriages. The most beautiful things. A couple was telling me the other day, then, you know, I was like, how's your honeymoon? And they're like, oh, it's a disaster, you know? And I'm like, oh, crud, you know? Uh, you know, are you guys okay? Uh, oh, yeah, we're fine now, but the honeymoon was terrible, you know? We got in this fight after the wedding, and, you know, and we, we pouted, and, you know, we wouldn't speak to each other, and, you know, the chair. I'm like, man. How can, how can anything spoil the honeymoon? You know, I mean, sin can. Man, sin can spoil anything. But here's what, here's what this is telling us, okay? Your inheritance, what Jesus has for you is undefiled. You can't lose it. It can't be spoiled. And on my favorite one, I think it's unfading. Unfading. You know what that means? Everything else in this life, it fades, doesn't it? You get it? Hey, did you know you're fading, by the way? You're fading. Just go back, look at the yearbook. You're fading. <laughs> Muscles that used to be up here are down here. Okay, you're fading. We are, aren't we? It's all. It's, it's getting. It's going from better to worse. Everything's that way. Buy something new. Buy something new. What happens? It fades. It doesn't satisfy like it used to. Everything else. Everything in life's that way. This is glorious. Okay. What Christ has for us will not fade, okay? What does that mean? 
It never loses its luster. It, it, it never ceases to sound. It never gets commonplace. It's never boring. I, I mean, the inheritance that Christ has in the new heavens and the earth, I don't know how it's going to work, but, 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 but what Jesus has for us is unfading. Your own relationship with Christ, it does not have to be boring. It does not have to be, 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 be commonplace. Jesus wants it to be better, better. There's this continual growth and outpouring of his spirit and riches that he wants to give. It, it doesn't have to fade. And, and so what, what does this do for us practically that it's a living faith? What, is it, what does it do for us? That wasn't a payoff. That was... <laughs> Somebody handed me a check at the end of the last service and I felt it in my pocket. I was like, I don't give that or it's going to be washed. Here's, here's, what, here's what knowing your riches does. It breaks the power of temptation. You know, almost every temptation to sin comes by, thinking, by you thinking that God's deal is not, is not better than the deal you got. Every time. Every time. Any temptation. Sexual temptation. What happens? Someone falls to it. What are they? God's got this great plan. Here it is. It's marriage. It's, it's going to be good. I've got a great plan for you. Whole book of the Bible. Song of Solomon written about it. And what do we do? If you fall into sexual temptation, what have you done? You've said, okay, God's plan is not as good as my plan right now, right here. Garden of Eden, Genesis 3. What happens? Man, there's this perfect deal. Fellowship with God. I mean, man, they've got everything they need. And what does Satan come in and do? He creates discontent. He said, no, man, you don't got nothing. Man, God's, God's giving you a rotten deal. You can't eat from the tree. I mean, I mean, the tree, the only tree, the tree that's going to make you wise, the tree that's going to make you like God. You can't, all, all, all you got's the rest of this. You got junk. They fall right into it. That's where every temptation goes. Here's what a living hope will do. Okay, when you have a living hope, here's the way you walk through life. You walk through life saying, man, the best thing in the world is Christ, and I have him, and he's coming. The peak is coming, and around the corner, he's going to bless, and he's got good things for me. Oh, I just got to keep going. I got to keep going. Great things. Jesus is the best thing, and that enables you to say no to the lesser things. You see, if you know you've got the best thing coming, you can say no to the cheap things. I blew my family away the other day. We are at a fast food restaurant. I said, I don't want the double cheese. I said, just give me a plain, small hamburger. Fries with that, sir? No. Tater tots? No. Onion? No. Family's like, man, dad's turned over a good new leaf. Here's what they didn't know. I'll have the shake afterward. See, I can do it if I know the shake is coming. Anybody else? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, can, I can eat less of that other stuff if I know the shake is coming. It's just, I mean, it's a basic principle of life, is it not? So put that spiritually, okay? If you know God's got a good thing for me, good, hold on, hold on. He's working. What else? This living hope enables you to endure 
the difficulties of life with joy. Look at verse 6 and 7. Get back in your text here. Look at verse 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary. Notice, just a little while. Sometimes it is necessary. You've been grieved by various trials, hard, difficult things in your life. Okay? Look at verse 7. So the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is Peter saying here? He's saying, if you have this living hope, man, you can rejoice even even in the midst of difficult times, okay? Why? Because again, again, you've got this living hope that's driving you forward, man. Stuff is bad right now, but I have hope Jesus is going to work. He's going to work tomorrow. He's going to work the next day. He's going to work next week. He's going to work next month. He's going to work next year. All the way to glory and in glory, the mother load is coming. But I can endure difficult things when I know that Christ is ahead of me. He's unstoppable. He's indestructible. And he's working and guarding and moving in my life, bringing me to good things. I can, I can endure difficulty if I know that. Go back to my hiking illustration. If I'm in Rocky Mountain National Park and we're going up Bear Lake, Bear Lake Trail up to Emerald Lake, I, I will get there. I will carry my kids. I'll carry all of them if I have to, okay? Not all of them at one time, but I'll carry one or the other. You know, up, I, I'll, I'll bear blisters, leg cramps. I will, whatever it takes, because I know what's up there is awesome. Now, if you tell me we're going to take a 12-mile hike to Hobby Lobby, the moment a piece of perspiration hits my brow, I'm stopping, Okay? Now that ought to give, listen, that ought to, that ought to give some cause for some of you to think. If when things get tough, I immediately bail, what does that mean? Things get tough, I'm out. I'm out on Jesus, out on the Bible, I'm out, I'm mad, throw a fit, I'm just going to jump into sin. What's that say? That says your hope is weak. Maybe you're not even a believer. Look, look, look at verse 6 and 7. This says that we can rejoice in trials. Why? Because as, as we trust Christ through the difficult times, you know what that is? That's the, verse 7. The tested genuineness of your faith. Others of you, man, as you have persevered, man, I'm looking at some of you have. As you persevered through struggle and trial, you know what that is? That's evidence. Evidence you're connected to the resurrected Jesus. And you know what that evidence does? That brings about more hope. That's what this verse says. That's what Romans says. Let's look at Romans. Romans 8, verse... Um, that's not right. Where am I going? I lost my train of thought. Oh, 5. Romans 5. 5, 2. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope. Listen, in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Why would we do that, Paul? We rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Keep reading. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces what? More hope. More hope. More certainty of what's up ahead. More assurance that drives me forward. Final thing. What does hope do? What's a living hope do? Man, I'll tell you what. It increases your prayer life. Where's that in this text? I don't know. I don't think it's there. And I wasn't even going to preach on it. But, but this is so cool this morning. 
I've actually kind of been struggling with my prayer life just time-wise. I, I meet with guys in the mornings. It's, it's a difficult for me to carve out time. I try to during the day, get times of prayer, but I've been disappointed with myself. Man, I was thinking about the resurrection. I was thinking about Pastor Chris's video. Ah, when that light comes forth from the tomb, oh, man, gets me every time. I'd, I, I, hope, I hope there's a DVR in heaven because I want to go back and I want to see. I want to see when the power of God hits the Savior. And he comes, that corpse comes to life. I want to see that. And I was just thinking about the resurrected Jesus and the hope we have. You know what I found myself doing? I found myself praying just with fervency. I'm just walking down the hall, just praying for my kids. And God, do great things. And God, oh man, God, do it in the church. And God, bring revival. And Lord, raise up men. I begin to pray, God, raise up guys that we're going to send out to pastor churches and be missionaries. Man, all of a sudden I just realized, where's all this fervor coming from? You know where it's coming from? Hope. Hope. Man, when you you know God is at work, Jesus is doing great things, you're going to pray. But if you don't have much hope, if you're not convinced that God's at work, that Jesus is carrying you, that great things are ahead, you're not going to ask much of him. And I'll tell you what, folks, hope will change your life. It'll change your face. I almost think you can tell in a person's face whether they have hope or not. One more question. Answer this one for real, not out loud, in your heart. What are you hoping in? What is it? I mean, just for real. What is it that you're looking forward to? What is it that's ahead for you? Everybody's got something, okay? Everybody's got something. I, I'm living for this. I want this to happen. What is it? Is it retirement? Is it, I'm going to get my own business, financial security, get to the top, toys, Raise my kids, grandkids. What, what is it? What, 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 is that, what is it out there? What is it out there that, that, that you're trying to grab onto to say, that this, is what, this is what's ahead for me. This is the good thing that's getting me out of bed in the morning. What is it? And, and, and one more question. Is it better than Jesus? What I just told you about the resurrected Jesus, what I just told you about what he's given, what I just told you about what he's going to do, what is certain and sure, Is your deal better than that? And if it's not, can I just plead with you? Change your deal. Change it today. I want to follow Christ. I want to give my life to him. I want to pursue him. I want Jesus. He's better. I want whatever he wants. I can trust him. Would you just turn away from trusting and loving other things and put your faith in Christ? That's what I'm asking you to do. Let's pray together. Father, we need you. Jesus, we can't, God, we can't make it without you. But with, it, with you, Lord, we, we can't mess it up. Oh, that's glorious. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you for giving new life. Thank you, Jesus, for, for dying on the cross to pay for our sins. Thank you, Lord, for, for the mother load of, of inheritance and and unfading glory that's ahead for us. Thank you, Jesus, for guarding us and interceding for us all along the way. God, help us. Help us to put our hope in you. We ask it in your name. Amen.